0: Welcome back to Walk Down Memory Lane from the Illinois School for the Visually Impaired. Anna Cincello is going to read to you The Banner, November 1957, number 3. I hope this brings back some treasured memories. Thank you very much for revisiting us so often. God bless, and we pray that everything is well with you and your friends and your neighbors. See you in the next episode. State of Illinois Department of Public Welfare William G. Stratton, Governor Otto L. Batag, M.D., Director The Banner Illinois Braille and Sight-Saving School Jacksonville, Illinois. Leo J. Flood, Superintendent. November, 1957. Number three. Sputnik. On October 4, 1957, the Soviet Union sent up an Earth satellite. This was the first man-made satellite ever to be sent into outer space. This satellite is 23 inches in diameter and weighs 184 pounds. It rose to an altitude of 560 miles and travels at the speed of 18,000 miles per hour. It is capable of making a trip around the world within 96 minutes. The launching of this satellite proves these things. 1. The Soviet Union possesses rockets capable of launching missiles with hydrogen-bomb warheads that, if guided accurately and returned to Earth intact, can strike the Earth 16 minutes after being launched from Russia. 2. Conquest of space for travel and military and scientific purposes is within sight. 3. Sputnik gives the Soviet Union an immense propaganda advantage for being the first country to send up such a thing. Even though these things are true, the U.S. feels that there is no cause for alarm. Perhaps you are wondering why the U.S. lost the race for being the first country to send up a satellite. One thing for sure is that the United States could have had a satellite up months ahead of the Russians if the U.S. program had had high priority and would have been connected with the country's program of ICBM missiles. The Navy, Army, and Air Force were summoned to a meeting in 1955 to decide which branch of service was to be responsible for the perfection of a satellite. It was given to the Navy, who estimated that they could build one for $10 million. Later, they raised the cost to $250 million. The Navy has been working on a satellite called the Vanguard, the launching of which is scheduled for the early part of 1958. The U.S. Vanguard is 20 inches in diameter and weighs only 21 pounds. The Navy says that it will be able to reach an approximate altitude of 300 miles. Another question that might rise in your mind is, could the Russians use a satellite to deliver an H-bomb attack against the United States? The answer to this question is no. Even if the Russians did put up a satellite big enough to drop an H-bomb from, it would continue to orbit around the Earth like the satellite, because it would also be traveling at 18,000 miles per hour. And if it happened to slow down and fall, it would disintegrate while passing through the Earth's atmosphere. Coming Events November 15th, Variety Show November 23rd. Wrestling season starts. Around the World in 50 Minutes. On Wednesday, November 6th, in assembly we had the pleasure of going around the world in 50 minutes, vicariously, with Dr. Alpha Appleby. His travel talk was extremely interesting. Dr. Appleby went to a savings and loan convention in Stuttgart, Germany, by way of the Orient, instead of the usual direct way of transatlantic flight. Some of his adventures included a highway blocked by an elephant and a surreptitious visit to the Palace of the President of Lebanon in Beirut. Fifty minutes seemed like a short time to enjoy the fun of Dr. Appleby's company and we hope that he will return for another interesting talk. Scholastic Achievement Record During the first six weeks of school, the following high school students received straight A's in their academic subjects. Adrienne Stefan 5 A's. Margaret Carter Richard Kreizek David Olson Michael Garrett, Ann Kaufman. The following students deserve honorable mention by receiving no less than two A's and two B's William Bright, Eugene Barton, Billy Ray Brown, Carol McCarthy, Larry Stevenson. The Banner. Published monthly at IBSSS. Editor-in-Chief, Peggy Carter. Assistant Editor, Eugene Schmidt. Feature Reporters, Ian Stevens, Bill Johnson. Grade School News, Neva Massey, Carol Ann Smith. Sports Section, Celine Bush, Richard Kryzak. Faculty Advisor, John Dietrich. Braille Consultant, L.W. Rodenberg. Editorial Section Manners in the Dining Room and at Our Socials. Students, from freshman to senior, our behavior in the dining room and at our socials is being discussed. We and those who have gone before us have worked hard to reach the privileges we now enjoy. Shall we now let a few of us who are careless be responsible for the loss of our privileges? It may happen unless we show more of the best of ourselves. Roving Reporter Mystery Student This month a new feature is being added to the banner. We thought it would be fun to have a mystery student who would be chosen from the high school enrollment. The mystery name will be published in December's paper. Below is some information about the student. Mystery student number one. Has brown hair, blue eyes, and fair complexion. Is going on 16 years of age. Is very likable is wild about a certain singer. Sorry, no more clues. School sports. Football. On the 29th of October, the football season came to a close with the champions in first place, the ex-cons in second place, the cadets in third place, and the maroons in fourth place. Richard Massa won a double crown by taking the catching title and scoring the most points in competition. Wrestling. There is an excellent outlook in wrestling this year. We had good wrestlers on the team last year, and most of these are returning for this season. James Chappell will be on the squad. Last year, he had a record of nine wins and six losses and took second place in the conference meet at Iowa. Richard Massa is a splendid wrestler and should do well this year, too. His record last season was 12 wins and a first place at the conference meet. Gerald Myers made an excellent showing last year for his first year of competition. Gene Schmidt is a better wrestler than his record shows. Last year, he won five while losing nine. He won fourth place at the conference. Nick Weems will be counted on again this season. He won 11 and lost only six last year. Six more fellows should fill out the squad and give us the depth necessary to push over victories when needed. They are Barton, Glenn, Kryzik, Massey, Crawford, and Johnson. Nothing succeeds like success, as the old saying goes, and we look forward to plenty of it. Our schedule. November 23, Indiana, there. December 4, Wood River, there. December 7, Kansas and Wisconsin, here. December 10, Feichens, there. December 14, Kentucky, there. January 11, Missouri, here. January 17, Iowa, there. January 18, Quincy, there. January 22, Feichens, here. January 24, Greenville, there. January 28, Vandalia, here. Grade School News. Two new faces. We wish to welcome two new kindergarten students and hope they will be happy in their new environment. They are Julia Gibson, who is in Mrs. Corey's room, and Frank Spurlock, who is in Miss Caldwell's room. Coming Events November 20th, the 8th grade Braille class will present a play in assembly called Feudin' Fun. This is a hillbilly comedy. It is under the direction of Mr. Henry Meyer. November 27th, Mrs. sight Sightsaving class will present a Thanksgiving play in assembly. It is called Thanksgiving Televised. We know that everyone will enjoy both plays. We will all be looking forward to seeing them. Rita Cunningham's parents raised beautiful sunflowers that get about 10 feet tall. One day she brought a head of a sunflower to class to show the interested students in her fifth grade class. The head of the sunflower was huge. Many people were amazed at the size of it. The children enjoyed eating the goodies in the seeds. They tasted like unsalted nuts and were shaped like grains of corn. These fascinating and delicious seeds are used by Russia and other countries. They are thought more beneficial than soybeans. November Birthdays These are the children in the grade school who have or have had birthdays in November. Norman Bolton was 15 on November 4. Charlotte Dillon celebrated her seventh birthday on November fifth. She had cake and chocolate milk for refreshments. The class also received favors. Carolyn Myers was nine on November 7. Alan Dudley was 6 on November 12. On November 14, Catherine Cox will be 7, Ronald Price will be 9, and Brenda Willis will be 14. Gary Wilson will be 7 November 15. On November 18, Kenny Shad will be 9, Michael O'Brien will be 10, and Patty Giles will be 12. Marlene Daniels will be 11 November 25. On November 29, Nick Franzen will be 12 and Larry Rogers will be 13. In last month's edition, we made some errors. We are sorry if we moved your birthday ahead or back a little. Also, we are sorry if we made you too old or too young. Two children who were left out in the October birthdays were Jerry McBride and Susie Scott. We hope both of you had a very happy birthday. A Cocker Named Inky Continued from October Issue Mr. Granning planned to enter all three dogs. Now came a time, all work, no play, for Inky. She practiced every day. The Springers resented her, but they didn't show it much. The big day came. All three dogs jumped into Mr. Granning's car, and they and Mr. and Mrs. Granning were off to the field trials. When they got there, it was almost time to begin. "'Will the Springer Spaniels come forward?' a judge called." Mr. Granning, with Ginger and Dusty leashed, walked to the position. Inky stayed with Mrs. Granning. Her whole body quivered with excitement, but she finally sat down in the grass and waited for Mr. Granning. After a long time, Mr. Granning came back with his gun and the two dogs at his heels. He was frowning. Dusty didn't flush a bird, And Ginger felt stubborn, he growled as he walked over to Inky. You are our only chance, Inky, he said. You must show you're worth something. Then the cockers came forward. Mr. Granning held Inky's leash while the black dog quivered with excitement. At go, all the cockers started off in a long run. The men kept them leashed for a time then released them. Inky shot out like a bullet. Out in front of her master, she ran. But suddenly, without warning, a thorn popped up. It was too late to stop. Inky's right front foot was cut open. She stumbled and fell. She struggled to her feet and ran on, but it was too late again. The whistle blew. Mr. Granning and Inky went sadly back to the car. So the time went on. At the end of the trials, Pistol was the winner. "'I'm sorry,' said a judge, "'but there's one more pheasant out in some bush. "'We didn't put it there. "'It just happened to be there. "'Will one of you offer to get it?' "'Pistol will get it,' said the winner's owner." Pistol was a red cocker, and he was a bigger dog than Inky. Pistol's master surveyed the trail ahead. It was a mass of briars and bushes. He led Pistol to an opening. Go on, boy, get going, he said. The big cocker moved in, then backed out. No amount of coaxing would make Pistol start through the tangle. Since no other dog could get through there, a judge said, I say Pistol's the winner. I'll give the $150 to anyone who can get their dog through there. Pistol's owner laughed. Inky stood up and tugged at her leash. What's the matter, Inky? You can't get through that king-sized briar patch, said Mr. Granning. But he stepped up and said, "'Inky and I will try.' "'They moved into position. "'Go,' said Mr. Granning. "'He took her leash off. "'Inky moved in, then backed out, "'but moved in again and kept on pushing through. "'She tripped and a thorn cut her eye a little. "'A briar caught her tail and she wriggled away. "'A thorn went into her foot "'and she started limping. "'Yet Inky was making it. "'A piece of glass cut one paw, "'and a thorn ripped one ear. "'She struggled on. "'Then she saw the pheasant. "'She left the tangle of briars and thorns behind. "'There was a rifle shot, and the bird fell. "'Without a command, Inky went to pick up the bird.' The half-dead pheasant squawked and tried to get away, but Inky picked it up and started back. But she had had a bad hold, yet one rule stuck in her mind. Never drop your bird, and she wouldn't. Slowly back through the tangle and brush Inky came, with a loose hold on the fluttering bird. The crowd of people watching were silent. They couldn't believe such a cocker could do this. On came Inky. When she was out of the brush, she went to Mr. Granning and laid the bird at his feet. Then she dropped in the grass, for she had endured pain and suffering. Mr. and Mrs. Granning hugged and petted her, and the crowd went wild. People kept shouting, Give it to the cocker, Inky! A vet was among the people in the crowd. He stepped forward. "'Take the dog to your car,' he said. "'I can doctor her a bit here.' But before he went to the car, Mr. Granning, carrying the champion, Inky, walked forward to receive the money. Pistol's owner gave it to him, saying, "'You deserve it.' When Mr. Granning and Inky reached the car, The vet was there. He had some of his medicine with him, for every year he figured he was needed, in case a dog was hurt. After the vet had doctored Inky's wounds, they set off for home with Ginger, Dusty, and the champion, Inky. Cheryl Peterson, 6th grade Braille. Thanksgiving Alphabet. T is for turkey with fan-tail spread. H is for harvest with wheat for our bread. A is for apples that are good to eat. N is for nuts that are also a treat. K is for kindness, which we all should show. S is for skills that the pilgrims did know. G is for grain in the fields so gold. I is for Indians, so brave and bold. V is for Vessel, the Mayflower by name. I is for independence, they showed when they came. N is for November, so bright and gay. G is for giving thanks for this happy day. Cheryl Peterson, sixth grade, Braille class.